so excited to be in the church today. We're one church, three locations. And so we're right here at the Gulfport location. We're in a series called the In Commandments. And so I'm gonna pick up right here where we left off. And so we've been talking about the In Commandments and the, 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 the reason the In Commandments title is what it is is because when Jesus came on the scene, he changed everything. He changed, he changed all of society. If you study history, if you're a historian, 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 there we go, help me, Lord, historian, isn't, you, isn't it good to have regular people up here talking can't talk that very well? Paul the Apostle said, I didn't come with persuasive speech, but I came in demonstration of power. <laughs> I'll, I'll steal that. But uh, yeah, so anyways, the in commandments, Jesus came on the scene and he changed everything. And if you do study history, you'll see that everything changed in the world from the time of Jesus, right? And so he's, I mean, Jesus is God. He flipped things upside down, but especially in the way that we approach God. You know, when he came on the scene, you had the Jewish people, they followed the law of Moses and they added a lot to the law of Moses. I mean, they had all kinds of rules, all kinds of regulations, all kinds of things going on. They put uh, unbearable burdens on people and they, taught people, this is the way you have to do it. There is no other way. And Jesus came on and he said, hey, look, we're going we're to change it all. I'm going to take your poached eggs and I'm going to scramble them. <laughs> but I like poached eggs. Well, we're scrambling them today and they're, they're going to stay scrambled in. So when he came on the scene, there was no New Testament for the early church. They had the law, they had the Pentateuch, they had the major and minor prophets of the Old Testament, but they didn't have the, the closed canon of scriptures that we read today, the, the New Testament books of the Bible. And so they had to go about teaching Jesus's teachings and, and, and mirroring what Jesus was saying. And Jesus said, look, go out and tell everybody to observe or to obey all the things that I'm teaching you. And I'm gonna teach you a lot of things that you're not to do anymore. And we talked about not worrying a couple weeks ago, and that was cool because a lot of times we think, what is Jesus going to tell me not to do? Well, he told you not to worry one week. He told you not to do a few things. But I think I got one of the most popular ones, by the way, especially among non-Christians. This, if you're not a Christ follower in here today, you're going to love this in commandment because Jesus said, judge not. Judge not, and you just love that boy. I tell you, I've heard that, that scripture taken out of context so many times. That is the best defensive mechanism I've ever seen, judge not. But we're gonna find out what this is all about because Jesus kind of talked about judging not, and he told a story in Matthew chapter seven. So I'm really gonna be hanging out in Matthew chapter seven today, the whole day, and we're gonna find out how this is misunderstood, how this is violated, how this scripture is all entangled and what really Jesus was trying to teach us and tell us and encourage us in this judge not message. So in Matthew chapter seven, verse one, it says, do not judge. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. That means thou shalt not size me up and write me off. That's what it means. Thou shalt, I always, I mean, you know, when you say a judge, you got to use a finger or something. I mean, well, some people use the other finger, but I'm in church today, so. <laughs> thou shalt not, I don't use the middle finger on Mondays either, by the way. At least I try not to, okay? So you're saying, well, it's Sunday. What's he talking about? Yeah, well. Thou shalt not size me up and write me off, all right? 
So why do religious people tend to be judgmental? I mean, why? Well, we see it's not just Christianity. We see it in, 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 in uh, radical uh, Islam. We see it in uh, conservative Christianity. We see it in other religions. Why are people so judgmental? It's a great question to think about. Why are you such judgmental? Why are we so judgmental as people? And Jesus was trying to teach that. Don't size me up and write me off. Don't judge me. I'll give you a couple of reasons why people potentially might judge people. Number one, jealous, jealousy. Jealousy, people who are having fun and doing things I can't do, I'm jealous of them, so I'm gonna judge them. I heard a pastor say, if you're not having fun in sin, then it's not sin. Right? I know some of you are like, thank God I came to church today. I knew I was doing something right. <laughs> Proverbs says sin lasts but a season, though. Let me, let me go ahead and put a little tag on that. Sin lasts but a season, and then suffering comes if you understand sin. But, you know, religious people sometimes think people are getting away with their sin. Look what they're doing. Or they're jealous because another individual's convictions is not lining up with your convictions. I think I should do this, and because God told me I can't do this, then you shouldn't do that. And if you're doing that, then I'm going to criticize you, and I'm going to judge you, and I'm going to call you unspiritual. That's what happens. Now, that's not a license to sin. I'm talking about things that are not under the context of sin, but you just don't agree with it. Why do you become judgmental? because they're having more fun than you do. They're laughing and having a good time and you got, you got the Missouri mule face on. <laughs> People who are critical and judgmental are not fun to be around. The law of attraction, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go the other direction. But people are jealous. How about this? Have you ever met Christians who are happy there's a hell? <laughs> they're all going to hell. Well, Man, you might be a little bit too happy that there's a hell. How about people that they secretly rejoice when people's sin catches up with them? Some of these Pharisees, man, are like that. You might be that in the seat. Uh, I read a book one day. It's called Accidental Pharisee. <laughs> you can become a Pharisee on accident. Matter of fact, you can become a lot of things on accident if you don't live intentional. That's another message. Here's another reason I think people are judgmental. They're just self-righteous. Man, self-righteous people, self-righteous pride. I think a lot of self-righteous pride actually roots itself in insecurity. The inability to be able to express oneself and be confident in oneself underneath the, 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 the blood of Jesus in your life, obviously, but insecurities cause you to be self-righteous and puff yourself up when you shouldn't have to. I remember I was in Bible college and I had a gentleman, he was very self-righteous and you know, he was always trying to puff himself up and I got in a circle and he started accusing me of something and that I was that he, like, I wasn't praying as many hours as he was praying or reading as many books as he was reading or something. He was talking and had a circle of guys around me and he was grinning and, 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 and he thought I was going to say something. I said, be still, be still. You come over here. Hey, man, you see you got some pepper in your teeth right there. 
I didn't even hear what he was saying. He literally did have peppercorn in his teeth. That's what you look like, man, when you're walking around uh, name-dropping, hob, hobnobbered, name-dropping, peacocking, self-righteous, whatever you are. <laughs> What's that in your tooth, man? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You read books? Oh, okay, all right. Cool, dude. Wow. Watch this. This is... This is uh, uh, a statement I wrote in my notes, self-righteous people elevate their, their own behavior, they elevate their behavior and attempt to put God on their leash and people in their box. Ooh, there ain't no leash for me. Self-righteous people are really ignorant and arrogant. They're critical when it comes to the behavior of others that are not lining up with them. They say, be like me, do like me, think like me, act like me, live like me. And you like that? Now, there's, there's a balance because Paul the Apostle said, follow me as I follow Christ. But then there's a balance that says, live like me, be like me with the wrong attitude of not loving. You know, part of our core value here, by the way, is what when it comes to this? Anybody know? We're different. Diversity. We, 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 we remain diverse diverse, but unity within diversity. So there's a balance of follow me as I follow Christ, but guess what? You know what? Don't be like me, be like you. God's got something inside of you that the world needs. All right? Self-righteous people, it's almost an attitude. Really, it's a heart condition, by the way, okay? Judge not. Don't size me up and write me off. The problem with just hanging out at Judge Not is it was just the beginning of a discussion. Jesus actually said, back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge. We'll say it again. Do not compare me, criticize me, confront me about any of my behavior because it's none of your business. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, it's none of your business. (laughs) And what happens is people hang out right there, but what they fail to realize in English class is there was a comma after judge. That big comma. (laughs) Don't you love the Bible? The second part of that scripture, or you too will be judged. Uh Uh-oh. Don't judge me, or you too will be judged. Wait, wait a second, Jesus. You're saying now if I size people up, write them off, criticize them, they're going to, they're going to, me too? Well, verse two says, for in the same way, watch this, verse two, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh-oh. Whoa, man. This is a literal saying, what comes around goes around. That's for you karma fans out there. They stole it from Jesus, all that garbage. <laughs> People copy that, you know, there's a lot of copycats of God. You know, that's what the devil loves to do, pervert. Thank God I already knew that. Sowing and reaping comes around. Karma, man, it's just a fancy word. God's already instituted that. You mean to tell me that the same judgment I lay upon somebody else, it's going to be measured up and thrown back at me like a curveball coming at full speed. You bet your britches. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to say, well, hold up a second. Judge others. Okay, so, 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 so now what you can do is when somebody judges me, say, well, now you sizing me up, writing me off, and judging me, but guess what? It's about to come back to you because it's going to be sized up. You're going to be right up, and you're going to be judged. 
Matter of fact, measure together, shaken together, and multiplied. A lot of people use that scripture and say, God's going to bless me. Measured, shaken down, pressed together, and multiplied. They forgot to say this scripture in context. We're talking about judging people, not money in your pocket. (laughs) Bad interpretation. Sounds good. (laughs) Y'all having fun at church yet? So what is Jesus trying to say? Judge others as you would have others judge you. Ask yourself the question, how do you want to be judged? How, how, how do you want people to judge you? Just start thinking about that as you start passing judgments on other people. The essential lesson that Jesus was basically saying was, judge others as others would, like you would want, do it unto others as others would do to you, basically. Don't judge me. Who wants to be judged in here? Not very many people. I, I, that's pretty good from a popular message. I think I had one hand waving back there. Don't judge me. But if you have to judge me, if there's no way around it for you and, and it's something you have to do, it's an essential in your life to judge and criticize other people, please take into account my entire history and life story. See, that's what happens to people. It happens all the time, even when it comes to people who are in a wreck in their life. Well, they're that way because and you judge people instantly for what you see right in the moment, but you fail to recognize the accounts that went on in their life are the woman whose father sexually molested her when she was six years old. Oh, mm. ow. What is Jesus saying? Be merciful. <laughs> if, you, if you have to judge, Go ahead and take my whole life in account, please. Why don't you? Please. But Jesus is not done. He's not done because he's got a lot more going on here. Verse three, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? All right, now we're getting somewhere here, all right? Okay, why? Because it's easier to see a flaw in someone else than to notice the problem within yourself. Now that's a rhyme right there, isn't it? It's easier to see a flaw in someone else than to notice a problem within yourself. Sure is, isn't it? It also distracts me from my own issues and helps us feel better about us. Mm-hmm. Because of a lack of self-awareness. See, self-righteous people don't have the ability to be self-aware. Self-awareness is an amazing tool that's used throughout the world, by the way. People hire life coaches and pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to ask them the right questions that will in turn cause them to become self-aware because when self-awareness hits an individual's life, then they're aware of something that they weren't aware of, something in their subconscious that was dictating their destiny, and now they're able to make choices and turn the tide in order to become a great success. But you know what? People don't want to be self-aware. They want to find flaws in other people. But Jesus, he's got such a great story going on here, and he's got the crowd's attention. Verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Now, they teach this in military training. They teach this in uh, uh, combat training. They teach this in emergency. When you get on an airplane, they teach this. That if the plane's going down, you better put the mask on first because you ain't going to help nobody else if you can't breathe. 
They, again, something else that was stolen from the Bible. Packaged together, everybody's making a lot of money. So for your entrepreneurs out there, I got some good fodder for you. Find things that God's already doing and package it to the world. Now, that's what Jesus is saying. He said, look, check this out. You got to take the plank out of your eyes so you can see clearly to get the plank out of your brother's eyes. Some of you are thinking that song, I can see clearly now. The plank is gone. <laughs> All obstacles. No, I can't sing. No, no, keep preaching, man. Come on. You're going to ruin it for yourself. The plank. What did he say, verse 5? You hypocrite. You hypocrite. Wait, you mean to tell me? Yep. You hypocrite. A hypocrite for this message is someone who's more fascinated with what's wrong with everyone else versus themselves. Oh, lesson, mind your own business. You work on you, and I work on me. But, but is that the whole message? No, 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 actually, Jesus is about to get to the crux of his message right here. Verse five. First, verse five, first, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your Other's eye or brother's eye or others, others or brothers, others' eyes. So when I see how messed up you are, I go and deal with my own issues and you actually make me a better person. (laughs) So when, when I see you dealing with some things, instead of criticizing, I go and see how my life is before God. Here's a little proverb for you. It's not in the Bible. When I am tempted to pass judgment upon thee, I should stop and check for traces in me. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. All right. Sounds like we're in church again. We use upon thee. Let me read it again. When I'm tempted to pass judgment upon thee, I should stop and check for traces in me. Okay, so lesson learned, that's it. So your sin and your failure, I'm not gonna judge you, I'm not gonna criticize you, I'm not write you off, I'm gonna say, oh, okay, wow. God, is that me, Lord, is that me? Okay, yeah, God, all right, straighten me out, all right, yes. Good, 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 get the planks out of my eye. That's it, all right, well done, let's go home. Let's see, what are we eating for dinner tonight? The thing is that following Jesus never ends with what's in it for me. See, this is where Jesus really gets a crowd because he's like, now you got to understand, Jesus is talking to a crowd here. And and they're like, yes, that's good, Jesus. That's good. He said, but it doesn't stop there, folks. It doesn't stop there. We're just beginning the process, the cycles that I want to uh, 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 institute into humanity. I'm going to read it again. Verse 5, Matthew chapter 7, verse 5, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly what is the end goal from the beginning of judge not all the way to the end of this lesson of Jesus is right here, the end goal that you might see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The problem with minding my own business is that it does nothing for the person whose business needs minding. I'm nothing for humanity. 
I've only got my little house in order. My dishes clean, right? My grass cut, my finances in order, my marriage in order, my heart in order, the regeneration of my mind. I'm practicing those disciplines. And now I'm shining my shoes and here I am. The problem with that is that's not the cycle that Jesus has for you. Following Jesus, this is a highlighted statement. This is one of those statements that you read and read in your Bible back in the day, right? Following Jesus is about leveraging what God has done in me for the sake of other people. Period. It's not all about us anymore. The epicenter of Jesus' teaching is to love one another the way you have been loved. So God, so here it is, folks. So we started with, don't you judge me. Those of you who love that scripture don't understand it. To all the way to where, you know what? Yep, I've got it all together. To the epicenter of what Jesus wants to do in our life is God wants to get you to a place so that you can help other people with their issues. Why? Because we all have issues. I've got issues, you got issues, we all have issues, we're the issue. But God wants to multiply his grace in us, through us. His systems of delegation is unbelievable. We are missional people, and so to remove the plank out of your own eye is met with the goal to take the speck out of your friend's eye. How do we get to a place of self-awareness? How is that possible? Are we all going to have objective life coaches that we talk to two hours a week? The answer is no. Is that good? Absolutely, sure. God has something in place called the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and the church. And what's so amazing about that is, that's what I was telling you today when you came to church, People pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go hear presentations and conferences in the corporate world. And I love it. I love it. I do. I love the business world. I love the church. I love, I just, I'm wired that way. I love the church. I love the business world. I just love to see people growing. And, and the thing is, what you have in your hands right now, you're not even utilizing. The Holy Spirit and the word of God and then your friends who are actually following Christ, God will bring self-awareness through that. When, when the Holy Spirit, that's why the Bible says that when you read the word, it's like looking into the mirror, the mirror of the word of God, and you see yourself for actually who you really are, which is called self-awareness. Self-awareness is the most powerful thing that can happen to an individual because when you read the word of God, you become self-aware. When you become self-aware, then you have a choice. Call it personal analytics, call it psychoanalytics, call it spiritual analytics. It doesn't matter, it's all in God's economy. And what he does is he then shows you what's going on so that then you can make a choice and then begin to walk in transformational power in your life so that then you can help other people go on the journey with you of transformation in order to, to spread the gospel, in order to help people, to order to express yourself through the package of Jesus in your life for a lost and dying world. You have it at your hands, folks. So judge not does not equate to care not. So we got three applications of people in this crowd 
that Jesus was talking to. And the first was the people who size people up and write them off. These are like the Pharisees. They size them up and write them off and judge them and criticize. Can you believe what she had on in that Facebook picture? I can't believe how much skin was showing. Well, you sizing her up, writing her off. You forgot she was raped 10 times. Mm, and she's looking for acceptance from her body. Ooh, oh, sorry, Lord. Wow, I could have been praying for that individual. Oh, man. You size people up and you write them off. Here's a statement. If the sin of others doesn't break your heart, it's probably because your heart has never been broken over your own sin. Mm. Oh, that's right. We got a little amen crowd going. Now you talking. I like it. You size people up and you write them off. Is that you? Raise your hand. No, we're not going to do it. Well, raise your hand if that's you. I've done it before. I've done all three of these before, by the way. Absolutely, I have. Why? Because I'm a man. I got nothing to hide. But I'm in a transformational process. I, where I was, I'm not today. And where I'm in today, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> Period. Next group of people, watch this. You size people up and you walk away. You're the guys who are singing the song. I can see clearly now the plank is gone. Yep, that's him. That's not me. And I, wait, 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 y'all, hold up. I know these, the media guy's have been waiting on this picture. Says, wait, just hold a second. I'm going to introduce this picture. I saw this picture and I thought, this is just a fabulous picture. This is the way some of you are. I've been there before. You size people up and you walk away. Go ahead and let's look at that picture. God may not be through with you, but I am. Don't you love, <laughs> I love that picture. <laughs> I've been there, don't you know, huh? God may not be through with you, but I am, brother. <laughs> I'm out. That might be you, yeah. I thought y'all were going to leave it up there. It's a funny picture. I got a little smiley face in my notes right there on that one. <laughs> you size people up, you, write, you, you walk away, you said I'm out. Number three, the third category of people in this crowd that Jesus was talking to is you've been sized up, but you refuse to listen. You've been sized up, but you refuse to listen. So where are you today? It's something to talk about, something to think about, something to pray about. So, you know, it's so easy to take one scripture out of context, isn't it? You judging me. Wow, you don't even understand the Bible. Hmm. Let's go to Bible hermeneutics 101. Let me give you a Bible interpretation key. Read five verses after and five verses before at least, please. <laughs> okay, so, so Jesus is trying to help us. So do you size people up and write them off? If that's you, here's your next steps. You need to repent. You need to repent. I've had to repent. Uh, by the way, I've had to repent on all these. Matter of fact, I repent a lot. I'm like Peter. I always tell people, I'm like Peter. Every time I turn around, I'm repenting. I was repenting in worship. I had a bad attitude this morning when I woke up. Like, dog, why do I have a bad attitude? Flesh. 
flesh. All right. So if you size people up and write them off, you need to repent. Repent's very positive, by the way. Repent means I'm going one direction and I'm going the next direction. It means I'm changing the way I'm thinking about a particular thing. I'm repenting, right? I'm turning. I love it. I'm repenting. Number two, do you size people up and walk away? If so, you need to confront. Now this, a healthy community can survive with this, repenting and confronting. Now let me get to the last one real quick and I'll explain this. Have you been sized up but refused to listen? Your next step is you need to listen. Okay, so some people need to repent, some people need to confront, and some people need to listen. Now, that's a picture of a healthy cycle and a healthy community. The problem why it doesn't work most of the time in churches and organizations and in families, because there's not a healthy culture that is birthed out of love. And when there's not real love, this will not work because I don't care what you know until I know how much you care. Now, I know that's a cliche, but it's true. Oh yeah, give it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, woo! Sometimes as a pastor, you don't know us well and we have to say something in your life, so. But for this to operate continually in a healthy community, there has to be love. So if I'm gonna confront somebody because I love them so much that I cannot do it, I cannot walk away, it's because I love them so much and they're gonna know that I love them so much even though they're gonna put a defensive mechanism filter up at first because that's the law of human metrics when they lay down that night, because when I shared with them, tears were in my eyes, they're gonna know this person loves me. But if you don't love that person and you say, that's right, he said it's time to confront and you're cocked like a gun, you've got a problem. But if you have true love, let me tell you, this is a pretty picture. This is a picture of the love cycle. It can happen in your marriage, I repent, I confront, I listen. My wife wants me to listen more because she's been listening for a long time. <laughs> That's a true story, by the way. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to hide. My wife's right there. <laughs> she's gonna confront me when I get off the stage, no. <laughs> the, the reason it doesn't work in marriages, because maybe there's not love, there's anger. Maybe there's so much insecurity and pride that is filtered so bad that the other person can't receive it. How's it supposed to work in the church on a regular basis? You can't work in your house. The, 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 the epicenter of growth should be at your house. It's a great message, folks. If we love each other, we can repent, confront, and listen. And we're not gonna size people up and write them off. We're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to bring self-awareness into our life through many different venues, all the way from somebody talking to us to the Word of God, to the Holy Spirit, to a podcast I'm listening to, you name it. So that I can be a better person for Jesus and help people, bring people on the journey with me. That's what it's all about, folks. It's bringing people on the journey with you. And I was thinking about small groups. I was thinking about coaching. And I got this thing resonating in my heart. The essence of coaching is pastoring people. 
and identifying key leaders and bringing those key leaders on the journey with me of pastoring people and identifying key leaders. The cycle is so great and the cycles of God is so awesome and that's what he wants to do in your life. Judge not, lest you be judged, right? Shaken down, pressed together, overrunneth. It's gonna come back at you. First, take the plank out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to take the sawdust out of your brother's eye, the person you love, the person you care about, the person you're cultivating a relationship with. It's the harmony of Jesus. It's the harmony that he would love to see operating in the church. If we would lay down our crowns, if we would lay down our masks, and we would get some people around us that really love and care about us. That's why we do small groups too, by the way. That's why we do teams, not just to serve on a team, but to develop a potential. Small groups is like, you're gonna form great relationships. No, it's a potential for you to form relationships. Why do we think relationships are so vital in the local church so this cycle can take place? You think the pastor is gonna jump off the pulpit and walk around and confront and help everyone? No, most people throw, uh, uh, Slap them. People don't want to hear, people don't, you mind your own business. I don't want to mind your business. I, I want you to be self-aware and find people around you that are growing with you. That's why we talk about the, how great relationships are. You're the average of the five people you hang around with. If this is operating in your family and in your church and in your organization and in your houses and in these small groups and in these teams, then you're gonna see something you've never seen before and you're gonna see growth. And when growth takes place in your life, spiritual growth, which is, by the way, Jesus is the author of growth. He's the leadership guru. He wants growth to take place. He said, I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, meaning you're gonna be changed into the image of Jesus. It says from glory to glory, all the way to your dead. Growth doesn't stop until you close your eyes and I have a feeling there's something else to do in heaven besides sit on a cloud and play a harp. Matter of fact, that sounds like a suicide mission to me. God, you would kill me if you told me I had to sit down on a leaf and play a harp all day. Oh, judge not. Let's go ahead and pray, guys. Lord, you're great. You know, we, 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 you're just great, God. You're awesome. You're in this place. Lord, you know, you, you came on the scene, you changed everything, God. You're no longer in, in a temple, in a box. You dwell inside individuals. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit now, God, and we love you, Lord. And I know there's some people here in the room today who, who says, you know, maybe I've been the guy that, that's been sized up. Maybe I'm the woman that's been sized up. Maybe God is confronting you right now. And confrontation actually equals love. A lot of people think confrontation is negative. Real confrontation that's right is love. And so maybe the Holy Spirit's bringing to you right now self-awareness, call it revelation. You're self-aware right now that maybe you don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, there's not a real relationship with him. And um, maybe you've been just going to church. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're just going through the motions. Maybe you haven't been going to church and you're desperate and you're broken down. And maybe you've made a lot of mistakes. And uh, maybe you're successful and you feel great. But uh, God's 
pricking your heart right now. Maybe you run a business and you've got great things going and you know, you said, well, my life's in order, but the Holy Spirit says there's something greater than physical life in order here. And I don't know where you are. I'm just trying to maybe help you become aware. But the God knows right where you are and you know it in your heart and you need a relationship with Jesus. And so what we wanna do right now is we wanna make that available for you. Now, I'm just a man here. We've created an environment. The word of God has been preached. The Holy Spirit is in the room and dealing with you. He set you up, so to speak. I didn't. And God's saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to do something great into your life. The first thing I want to do in your life is I want to forgive you of all your sins. I want to forgive you. I want to cleanse you. I want to make you whole. No matter what it was, no matter what you've done, whether you think it's light or not, if God wants to forgive you of your sins. There's no one righteous, no, not one. The Bible says there's nobody who can say I'm self-righteous in myself, in myself alone. It, without the blood of Jesus, no one is righteous before God. We all need Jesus. And so if that's you in the room, I'm going to pray a prayer. Not going to ask you to do anything at all, but agree with God right there in your seat. As an individual, you know it. You say, God, that's me. I need a real relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to pray a prayer, put some words to what God's doing in your heart, and you're just going to agree. God's power is going to be there and he's going to save you. He's going to rescue you. He's going to wipe away all your sin. As far as the east is from the west, he's going to clean the slate, if you would. So I'm going to pray a prayer. You agree with your heart. You can repeat after me, but you're saying to God, that's me. Yes, Lord. So Father, forgive me. Lord, forgive me of the things that I've done, the things I haven't done. God, forgive me of my sin, God. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you love me enough to care about me and to bring me to this place. All the patience you've had with me, you've, everything, it's you, God, it's you. You've been knocking on my door, Lord. You want a real relationship with me. You love me. It says that the love of God draws mankind to repentance. So you're going to receive Jesus right now. Just say, forgive me, Lord. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. I don't understand all that, right? We serve an invisible God. I'm helping you. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. It's not by human intellect. It's by faith, saving faith right now. We believe you, Lord. We believe in Jesus. We believe you died on a cross for me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer right now. Yeah. Jesus. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.